The Girl Who Tore Through the Universe by Nikita Gill She is dreaming of the cliffs again. She is young here, a child. She's wearing a bright yellow summer dress and holding a woman's hand. The woman looks like her, so she assumes she is her mother. Everything is bright and happy here at the cliff edge. They are looking at an endless turquoise sea before them, glittering like jewels in the sunlight. But then she notices that her mother is not smiling. And always too late, she sees the crack in the sky that looks just like the one in her wall. Before she can say a word, the crack opens like a mouth and devours her mother. She screams and tries to keep hold of her mother's hand. And this was where Amy Pond usually woke up, unable to make sense of this strange, unsettling dream about a mother she didn't have, about a memory she was sure couldn't be real. In a cold sweat, she reached for the glass of water by her bed, gulping at it. And then, as psychiatrist number three had taught her to do, she counted to ten. She had stopped trying to learn her psychiatrist's names. There was no point when they never lasted. And they never lasted because she kept biting them when they told her he wasn't real. Her raggedy man. Amy had been refusing to give up her raggedy man for eight years now. But she knew he was real because she remembered him too well. She remembered exactly how much he hated apples and loved fish fingers and custard. She remembered how quickly he was able to fix the crack in her wall. And most of all, she remembered him saying he would come back for her. Give me five minutes, I'll be right back, he had told her, before disappearing into the blue box. But the raggedy man hadn't come back and a dozen adults, including her aunt and school counsellor, had told her that she was too old for imaginary friends, that the existence of her raggedy man was impossible, and all in her head. Amy Pond may not know a lot of things yet, because she was only 16, but she knew that impossible things could happen. Men could fall out of boxes from the sky, a small blue police phone box could contain a swimming pool and library. And most importantly, there was no reason why she couldn't do the impossible and bring her raggedy man back to show them all she was not making him up. Her alarm rang loudly and she nearly jumped out of her skin. She smacked it silent and looked at the time. 7.15am. She had to get ready for school. School was her least favourite place in the world. Her teachers always said that Amy sat through classes, constantly looking at the clock, as though she had a train to catch. In essence, they were right. She did have somewhere else to be. Over the last eight years, she had turned over every word her raggedy man had told her in her head until it made sense. Wibbly-wobbly-timey-wimey, had something to do with physics. She was sure of it. 
So Amy had taken to going to the library during every lunch break, every free lesson, even in the ten minutes between fifth and sixth period, to learn everything she could about astronomy and physics, from Schrödinger to quantum theory. She had yet to find anything to help her, but she always felt like she was so close. There was something she just couldn't see yet, something hiding in the corner of her eye. She walked into the school library, all white walls and cheap desks, a faint smell of mildew rising from carpets that had clearly seen thousands of wet student feet over the years and never been cleaned properly. As always, Amy made a beeline for the astronomy and physics section. It was a single bookcase with six shelves, and Amy had read everything on the top four shelves. She crouched down to take a look at the bottom two. Mrs Mabel, the small, kind librarian with the cat glasses and the perpetually sniffly nose, had told her those shelves were for older students. But Amy was already done with quantum theory for beginners. She was determined to devour everything she could so that one day... Just one day, she could convince her aunt and those psychiatrists that her raggedy man was real. Today, she was reading Richard Feynman, and as she yanked the book out of its place, she saw two blue eyes staring back at her from behind a messy fringe. Amy frowned and got up. She heard the person on the other side do the same, and then a lanky boy put his head around the corner. Hello, sorry, I didn't mean to frighten you. Amy scoffed mildly. You didn't frighten me. It's a school library. There have to be other people here. The boy blushed beetroot red and scratched the back of his neck awkwardly. Sorry. Amy tilted her head. Do you always apologise so much? Sorry. He blinked in confusion. I mean, yes, sometimes. I, uh... Amy bit her lip to stop herself from laughing. Maybe I should apologise instead for scaring you, Rory. Rory Williams, tall, geeky, the quiet sort who kept himself out of trouble. They had been good friends until fairly recently, but had drifted apart in the last year. He smiled at her, his blush calming a little. Then she noticed the name of the book in his hand. Scientific Mysteries, Oddities and Peculiarities. Rory saw her interest and told her, I was supposed to be grabbing a book about computer programming for my IT class, but got distracted by this on Scientific Mysteries instead. Amy grinned. Well, I like mysteries and I like science. His eyes brightened and he looked at her own book. If you like quantum theories, I've actually got just the mystery for you. Without another word, they both sat down at the closest available desk and Rory opened the thick blue gold-edged cloth-bound book that simply read Scientific Mysteries, Oddities and Peculiarities in embossing on the front. There was no author, Amy noted, but that wasn't important. After spending eight years in many, many libraries, she knew that sometimes books survived past their authors and words lived long after their writers did. Rory was flipping through the pages to the middle of the book 
mumbling quietly to himself. When he finally came to the page, he exclaimed, Ha! Found it! Shh! came the loud stage whisper from the librarian's desk. Rory grimaced and lowered his voice. Okay, so here, look at this. Did you know that when Isaac Newton died, he left thousands of random papers and all sorts? They reckon if they put all his work together, it would produce like hundreds of books or something. Amy folded her arms and sat back, unconvinced. So, the man liked to write a lot. We all know that. Rory shook his head and pushed the book excitedly towards her. Yeah, but loads of his work went missing. All that stuff about alchemy just disappeared. It says here that just before he died, Newton talked about ripping through the fabric of space into the multiverse, that he could mess with time and... Before he could finish, Amy had grabbed the book and was looking through the pages, wide-eyed. Where? Show me where! Rory pointed out the passage to her, and Amy read eagerly. One of Newton's greatest tragedies, from which he never quite recovered, was the death of his father. He missed him terribly by all accounts, and at a dinner party as a child announced that he was going to find a way to bring his father back. The adults at the table dismissed it as the whims and fancies of a child trying to understand death, but as time went on, Newton became even more determined. On three different occasions, servants at Wolsthorpe Manor saw Newton walking through a door to the dining room and seconds later coming out of his chambers. The dining room and chambers did not share any mutual doors, nor did any secret rooms connect them. Each time the servants saw this odd behaviour, they claimed Newton was muttering, almost managed that time, the formula needs more crafting. More than that, servants reported doors where doors should not be, and his housekeeper said one time, the entire kitchen was swapped to a mirror image of itself. Of course, there is no evidence to back up these claims, but one has to wonder if Newton did ever manage to find a way into other universes. And if he did, where did the pages with those invaluable equations go? Amy's hands were shaking by the time she got to the end of the paragraph. She put them on her knees so Rory wouldn't see. This is it, she whispered, more to herself than him. The thing that lives in the corner of my eye. She looked up at Rory, who was watching her with his brow furrowed. Are you all right, Amy? Yes, yes, more than all right. She smiled at him. Do you know where Walsthorpe Manor is? Rory nodded. My mum took me there when I was younger. It's in Lincolnshire. It's really cool, actually. The National Trust made it into a museum, and you can sit in the garden where the apple tree is and... He trailed off, seeing the glint in Amy's eye, and cleared his throat nervously. Why are you asking? She smiled sweetly and leaned forward. You wouldn't happen to know how to drive, would you, Rory Williams? It took them three hours to get to Lincolnshire in Rory's nan's old Fiat, but it felt more like three days. Amy was trying her best to be patient, but it was hard. 
This was the closest she had ever come to something she was sure would bring her raggedy man back, and every second felt like a quiet eternity. But Rory was lovely. Amy had wondered briefly why Rory, who must have better things to do, was taking her all the way to Woolsthorpe Manor just because she asked. But perhaps he was looking for an adventure. And if there was one thing Amy Pond loved, it was adventure. They had both skipped a day of school. Rory had never ever done anything like this before. He was a straight-A student and had been extremely nervous as Amy put on a fake voice to sound like his mum on the phone. In the end, she had sounded nothing like her, but they just about got away with it, and Amy had flicked her red hair back and laughed as they got into the rickety old car. I've done this tons of times. You need to live a little, Rory Williams. She could have asked her best friend, of course, but Mel's was in huge trouble yet again, for hiding all the costumes from the school's drama department before the play and grounded, probably till she was 30. Plus, she tended to get overexcited whenever the raggedy man was mentioned. Plus, there was absolutely no way Amy was getting anywhere near a car, even an old Fiat, if Mel Zucker was driving. And so here they were, going to Woolsthorpe Manor so that she could finally find what she was looking for and... So, what are we doing at Woolsthorpe Manor exactly? Amy came out of her daydream and looked at Rory, who was focusing hard on the road, even though it was totally empty. She hesitated for a moment. We are going to find Isaac Newton's missing papers and find out how to make a rip in time. The last part tumbled out so fast she almost didn't realise she'd said it. But Rory had definitely heard it, because he whipped his head round to look at her. What? Amy was about to say something, when a deer pranced in front of them, and Rory swerved off the country road to miss it. Amy cried out as the car jolted, and Rory slammed on the brakes. They came to a shuddering stop at the side of the road. Sorry, are you okay? Rory's hands still clutched the steering wheel, and he was breathing fast as he looked at her. She was breathing heavily too, her hands clenching the sides of the seat as she looked straight ahead, eyes wide, just like the deer on the road. Amy? When she didn't turn to look at him, he repeated, Are you okay? She nodded ever so slightly, then said, we need to find those papers. Rory sat back, releasing the steering wheel. He took a deep breath and said, OK. OK. Can you tell me why? Nope. Amy's eyes were filling with tears, but she blinked them away quickly. She knew that eventually she would have to tell him, but she didn't know how. Not without him thinking she was crazy, just like her psychiatrists and her aunt and the school counsellor. And she really didn't want to bite Rory when he was being so nice to her and... Amy. Rory reached out and put his hand gently on her clenched knuckles. It's all right. You don't need to tell me. I'll take you there. But you do know there's a big chance we won't find those notebooks, right? Plenty of people have probably tried.
If they existed, he chose his words carefully now, if they existed, they probably would have been found by now. Amy turned round to look at him, a quiet fleeting vulnerability in her eyes. I have to try. Then she swallowed hard. Please. He took a deep breath and silence flooded the car. Then he nodded. Her hands loosened as she saw him reach over to start the car up again, a part of her in disbelief that this boy would go out of his way to help her find something that he didn't believe existed. But the disbelief was quickly replaced with excitement and gratitude as he turned onto the road, looked at her and smiled reassuringly. Let's go find you those papers. Woolsthorpe Manor was smaller than she had expected, but still beautiful. It was a stone house with rooms that looked as if they had been preserved in time. Everything seemed so old. It all came from a time when people could only write by hand, on parchment, with candlelight as a guide. And yet, that was how Newton had changed the world, writing it all by hand. Imagine what his missing papers could do. Amy and Rory had spent most of their day searching this little space for those magical missing papers and avoiding the prowling National Trust staff who seemed determined to catch them out. But so far, they had found absolutely nothing. Newton's bedroom contained a basic wooden bed, a small ornate wooden desk and an equally carefully crafted wooden stool. The bed had deliberately been arranged to look like Newton had just got out of it, and pieces of paper with scribbles and equations were strewn about the place. Amy first checked under the bed, while Rory nervously kept watch. Luckily for them, there weren't a lot of people here at three in the afternoon on a Wednesday. But there was nothing but dust. She stood up and frowned. Then she ran her hands along the carvings of the desk. A secret drawer, perhaps? Maybe a catch somewhere? She was disappointed once again to find nothing. Then she looked at the walls. Perhaps there was something there. She got up and ran her hands over them, seeking a loose brick she may have missed. But if there was one, she couldn't find it. Rory was now shifting from one leg to the other, watching her, then looking back to make sure no one was walking in. Hurry up, Amy. She glared at him over her shoulder. I'm trying. She pushed against the stones of the wall, then stood back reluctantly. Nothing here, she sighed. Rory looked like he was going to say something, but before he could, she growled, Don't say I told you so. I wasn't, he said defensively, but the look on his face told her different. Together, they walked downstairs and into the garden, Amy deep in thought, and Rory glancing at her every now and then, trying to think of what to say to make it better. As they wandered through the garden, Rory pointed out, Look, that's the apple tree. There it was. The tree that Newton had sat under while crafting his equations, where he had discovered the theory of gravity as he watched the apples fall in a straight line to the ground. His most famous theory. 
So important was this tree to Newton's work that it had been celebrated on the Golden Jubilee of Queen Elizabeth as an essential part of English history. It was encircled by a fence, which did more to show the importance of the tall, beautiful tree than to offer any actual protection. The tree hadn't yet started producing fruit, it was too early in the season, but the sweet smell of its flowers filled the air. Apples had always reminded Amy of her family somehow. She had a strange memory of smiley faces carved into the skin to encourage her to eat them. Amy stared at the tree for a long time, an idea unfurling itself inside her head. Her eyes brightened suddenly. Rory, you're a genius! Surprised, Rory turned to her. But Amy had already stepped over the fence and moved behind the tree. She started digging into the soft, wet earth around the tree with her hands. Amy, what are you... Where would you hide notebooks if you had discovered the secrets to the universe? You'd keep them in a place that you considered sacred, right? Where else would you put something that meant so much to you? She dug and dug, until her fingers hit a small, rusted tin box. A massive smile spread across her face as she began to dig faster, her fingers catching on a root every now and then. Finally, she put both her hands round the box and yanked hard. It didn't budge the first time she yanked, but the second time it came loose and sent Amy flying, landing on her back. Rory rushed over to help her up. Then a loud voice from the manor yelled, Oi, you two, what do you think you're doing? Amy and Rory looked up to see a tall man in glasses and a brown suit running over to them, his face red with fury. The curator! Without another word, Amy clutched the box to her chest. Rory grabbed her free hand and they ran. They were sitting in Rory's car now. It took a lot of effort with Rory's penknife to fiddle the lock on the tin box open. Amy waited impatiently, trying to get the dirt out from under her fingernails. Finally, after what felt like hours, but was probably only minutes, Rory managed it. The box creaked painfully as its lid fell open, and Amy immediately dug her hand in to draw out several yellowed pieces of parchment. Equations they couldn't decipher spread across the sheets, drawn in ink and pencil. A sketch of a door, a sketch of a knife, several geometric designs. But finally, Amy saw the words she was looking for. Doorways to other universes. Amy knew how the multiverse worked. She knew there was another Amy Pond, in a different universe, who got to travel with her raggedy man, just as he had promised her. And she thought that if she made a deep enough rip in the fabric of this universe, her raggedy man might be on the other side. She turned to look at Rory, a massive smile on her face, and tossed her arms around him, the papers clutched in her hands. He hugged her back, blushing deeply. He had found the most beautiful, brave girl in the world, and she had already achieved the impossible in 24 hours. It almost didn't matter when his eyes fell on a piece of parchment that had fallen out of the tin 
now lying on the floor by Amy's foot. It almost didn't worry him that a warning was written on it in ancient black ink. Be wary, for here lies the unspeakable. Three weeks. It had been three long, frustrating weeks since they had opened the tin and found the equations. They had tried everything, even surreptitiously asking their physics teacher for help. But that had proved useless. Mr Brown had just got suspicious and asked them so many questions, Rory turned bright red and Amy had to grab his arm and drag him out of the room, making a dozen excuses. The equations might as well have been an ancient spell in a forgotten tongue. No amount of imagination, mathematical training or physics lessons seemed to be working and Amy had burst into tears enough times to be close to giving up. Until last night. The instructions, written in tiny writing below the massive equations, had seemed much too straightforward. Amy knew it couldn't be that simple, which was why she had refused to even entertain the idea of trying this method before. How could it possibly be that simple when the rest of Newton's notes were so complex? But then, last night, Amy had stood outside her bedroom, door closed, and decided to try. She closed her eyes and pictured her raggedy man. He was standing there with his screwdriver, fixing the crack in her wall. She could see herself tossing him an apple, see him asking why there was a smiley face on it, and hear her answer. My mum used to make those for me. She saw him so clearly, as though the memory was from yesterday. How he put the apple in her pocket and said, She sounds good, your mum. But then, in a moment, the memory was gone, as if it had never been there. Thunk! Amy's eyes opened wide. Her fingers trembled. She raised her hand to the brass handle of her bedroom door. Light poured through from the gaps around the edges, as though something very bright was hiding behind. Please, please, please. Slowly, she pushed the door open. The light was so bright that for a minute she felt blinded. When it subsided, she blinked slowly. A familiar kitchen came into view. And there she was, the woman from her dream, her mother, putting an apple pie on the old wooden kitchen table, which looked like it was going to collapse any second. Her favourite green jumper and jeans on, red hair swept back in a messy bun, the same flowery apron Amy couldn't believe she had forgotten. For a moment, she was stunned as she watched her mother hum and pull out the custard from the fridge, just as she had pictured in her head. How had she forgotten this? Her home in Ledworth, her mother's face, the kitchen table. It was like a flood of memories escaped into her mind from behind a door within her head. She tried to find her raggedy man, but instead she discovered a person she never knew she'd lost. Her mum turned round and noticed her. 
She didn't even look surprised as she said, All good, you're back. Her mother set the custard on the table. I know apple pie isn't your favourite, but I promised your father we'd have it for tea today and... She was cut off by the huge hug she found herself wrapped in. Startled, Mum wrapped her arms around Amy. Amelia, are you all right, my love? Amy pulled back and looked into her mother's surprised eyes. They were the exact same shade as her own. But how? How had she ended up here? Amy went through the notes in her mind. She had followed them precisely. The thing she desired most was what she pictured, and the thing she desired most held one of the only memories she had of her mother. Shaking her head clear of racing thoughts, a sense of urgency overcame her. She knew she couldn't let her mother see that urgency, else she would clock that something was wrong. Newton's notes were quite clear that if you did encounter someone from another universe, you needed to make sure they didn't catch on. He never explained what would happen if they did. He'd just written an ominous warning that you shouldn't let them become aware. But that wasn't a good enough reason for Amy to leave her mother so soon after finding her. She might never find her again. Mum, you need to come with me. She took her mother's hand urgently, trying to literally drag her to the door. Amelia! Amelia! Her mother pulled her hand away. We can't go anywhere. Your father will be home any minute and... Amy was visibly shaking now. She wanted to wait for her dad and bring him home too. But she couldn't risk staying here too long. She didn't know how much time they had. She hadn't studied the notes to know how long she could make the portal work. Mum, please, I'll explain when I show you, okay? A long, agonising pause followed, and her mother sighed. She took off her flowery apron and said, I hope this is important, Amelia. Amy visibly relaxed, as she replied, I promise you, Mum, it's a matter of life and death. Things had gone wrong. Horribly wrong. The minute her mother stepped through the doorway, her chatty normal self had vanished, and she had sunk into a zombie-like state. Now she simply stared straight ahead of her, like a person in shock. Behind them, the portal had closed as quickly as it had opened, and in place of the kitchen was Amy's bedroom. Hours had passed like this, with no sign of her mother speaking or communicating. Amy had sat her at the kitchen table in her aunt's house. She had tried everything. She had tried talking to her and cajoling her, telling her how much she loved her, even placing an apple and a small butter knife on the table to make her carve the apple like Amy remembered. And then, when all else failed, in frustration, she had screamed at her. Nothing got a reaction. Her mother continued to stare blankly ahead, a shell of the woman she was just hours ago. Her aunt would know what to do, but Amy's aunt was on another business trip. She went away often enough that Amy was used to being alone, 
but right now she needed someone else, anyone here to help her. The raggedy man would definitely know what to do. He would probably have something in his box that could help. She almost jumped out of her skin as Rory burst in through the kitchen door. Have you seen the sky? His excitement died as soon as he saw the woman sitting at the table. Amy, he said slowly, who is this? My... my mum. And after saying that, Amy burst into tears. Immediately, Rory was by her side, crouching and putting his arms round her. She just sits there, sobbed Amy. She won't move or do anything. She just sits there quietly like... like she's in shock. Newton was right. I should never have brought her back here. Rory pulled back as she said this. You did it. You made the portal. Rory looked to the woman again, the wide-eyed, unblinking stare making him wince with discomfort. He waved a hand in front of her face to try to make her blink. Nothing. He swallowed hard as he turned to gaze out of the kitchen window in contemplation, joining the dots in his mind. I think there's something you need to see. He pointed at the sky through the kitchen window. When Amy Pond saw what was outside, her first reaction wasn't an exclamation or a question. Instead, she looked at the kitchen clock to check what time it was. Nope, eight o'clock in the morning didn't explain it. She couldn't ever remember seeing neon green sky and birds that flew upside down. What? What is happening? She asked no one in particular, her voice small and afraid. Rory had never once heard Amy afraid, and now he knew that he hated to hear Amy Pond afraid even more than he hated to hear her sad, because there were not many things that Rory Williams believed in but he believed in Amy Pond's confidence and courage more than anything in the world. Quietly, he reached out to take her hand as they looked at the chaos slowly unfolding before them, feeling like the last people in the world. The hundred-year-old trees in the garden were starting to age before their eyes, leaves turning black and blue like bruises as they hit the ground. The grass, usually dewy at this time of the morning, seemed to be ageing backwards, becoming a series of sprouts before disappearing into the ground. But the worst were the flowers. The flowers simply caught fire. And through all this, Amy's mother sat still, unmoving, unblinking. Not knowing what to do, Amy slumped down at the table in a heap. Rory sat on the chair between Amy and her mum, his face in his hands. Outside, things kept changing rapidly. The world looked like it was both beginning and ending at once. Finally, Rory said it. His voice shook as he spoke a terrible truth he had been keeping secret all this time. I think we've made a huge mistake, Amy. I think those pages were buried for a reason. I think Isaac Newton left us that warning for a reason. These are the unspeakable things that he was talking about. We should never have done this. 
Amy looked at him, her hazel eyes wide. Are you seeing this is my fault? And for the first time, instead of denying it to protect her feelings, Rory was quiet. Because she was right. She was the reason this was happening. But even though she had wrecked the fabric of the universe, Rory couldn't bear to see Amy sad. So, instead, he looked into her dejected eyes. You can fix this. If anyone can fix it, it's you. Amy shook her head. I don't even know where to begin. You're Amy Pond, the girl who found Newton's missing papers and ripped a hole in the fabric of the universe. You can do this, Amy. I promise. Confidence glinted in Rory's eyes, a confidence Amy desperately needed to share. But tears were streaking down her face again, and she shook her head. I don't understand what you're saying. As gently as he could, Rory reached out and took Amy's cold hand in both of his warm ones. When she finally looked at his face, his voice was soft. Yes, Amy, you do. He looked at the woman across the table. You know exactly what you need to do. Amy took a deep, shuddering breath and slowly stood up. Gently, Rory let Amy's hand go and went to stand beside her mother's chair. After a few minutes, Amy wiped her face and sighed. Let's do this. The fact that it had worked the first time was incredible. Making it work again was a near impossible task. But Amy was brave and determined. And she was devastated. Perhaps there was a kind old force within the universe which took pity on her. This time, when she pictured the old kitchen that she had been in just hours ago, smelling the apple pie and the custard, picturing herself, a girl with two parents who loved her and a mother who still carved smiley faces in apples, it worked. She opened the door quietly, just in time to see her father walk through the kitchen door, whistling as he went into the living room to find his family. As soon as she knew the coast was clear, she gestured to Rory, and together they helped her mother towards the door. It was a good thing that, though she wasn't speaking, she could still walk. Amy smiled at Rory and nodded, letting him know she could take it from here. He stood back as Amy and her mother crossed the threshold, keeping a watchful eye on both of them. As soon as she was in her kitchen, Amy's mother woke from her unblinking trance like she had emerged from a daze. She looked at her daughter in surprise and said, I thought you were taking me somewhere. Amy had always thought that growing up without parents was the most painful thing she would ever have to do. She was wrong. Losing her mother a second time was so much worse than the first because she could barely remember the first. This, this felt like every single part of her heart was crushed again after she had put it back together so painstakingly. 
but right now her mother was smiling a worried smile and raising her hand to Amy's forehead to check if she was all right. Amy took a step back. I'll be okay, Mum. Her mother frowned slightly. Are you sure? Amy took a deep, shaky breath. I'll be okay. She took one last long look at her mother and tried to burn the image of her into her memory so that she could cherish this forever. I promise I'll be okay. And with those words, Amy Pond gave her mother one final hug and walked through the door that had brought her here, closing it behind her with a soft click. Amy stood outside the door a long, long time. She could already feel the memories of her mother fading again, no matter how hard she tried to hold on to them. Tears ran freely down her face when she finally let go of the handle and walked into the kitchen to get some water. As she entered, she saw the apple on the table and nearly broke down in sobs. Walking over to it, she lifted it in her hand. A smiley face had been carved into the apple. She smiled. This must have been Rory's doing, trying to make her feel better. Amy searched the house for him. Just when she decided he must have gone home, she found him sitting on the roof. She would have asked why he was out there, but the question seemed like a silly one, considering everything else that had happened. So instead, she climbed out of her bedroom window and sat next to him. He smiled and gestured to the horizon. Amy looked out to see that the sky was very slowly turning from the bright neon green to the azure she had known her whole life. Below, she could see the trees were alive again and the grass was no longer just seeds within the ground. The flowers in the garden were as bright and vibrant as they had always been. Amy breathed out a sigh of relief and closed her eyes as she felt a comfortable tiredness. She felt Rory take her hand. Thank you for the apple, she said softly. What apple? he asked. She pulled it out of her jacket pocket and showed him. This one. Rory took the apple and stared at it. What about it? Amy lifted her head. You carved it for me. The confused look on Rory's face told Amy everything she needed to know. She took the apple back from Rory and quietly placed it in her pocket. Then, with a sigh, she leaned her head against his shoulder. Together, they peacefully watched the sky become blue again. And while everything wasn't all right, for the first time in her life, Amy Pond truly believed that it would be. One day... <laughs>